Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. And today's episode is brought to you in part by Kangaroo. Kangaroo was created to ensure that everyone has access to home security. Every product Kangaroo makes starts with three questions. Is it simple? Can it be produced at a price that everybody can afford? And is it secure? With Kangaroo, you never pay for unnecessary bells and whistles, and you know your data is going to be secure. The Front Door Security Kit is a simple setup with no tools or tech geeks required. And if you have Wi-Fi and a smartphone, you can use Kangaroo. Go to heykangaroo.com to learn more and start keeping your home safe today. And be sure to use code RINGDONG, yes, that is RINGDONG, for 20% off any Kangaroo complete subscription order. You already see his, well, I was going to say bright smiling face, but he's not really smiling. He's in the zone right now. That is Dan LaMagna at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? JB, just a lot to be excited about tonight. Outside of the Lakers this evening, two home drafts coming up as we count down to September 10th. But most importantly, JB, I'm just uh, celebrating. This is heavy here. The Dynasty Self-Help Trophy from defeating John in our contest that we appeared in last week. Mitch, what do you think of this hardware? That is beautiful. A one-point victory I pulled off versus JB. You like that bling, JB? What do you think? They sent it to me today. It just arrived. I'm not going to comment on that. I was bamboozled. I was fooled. I was led astray. We're not going to talk about it. So we're going to move on from that. We're going to act like it never happened. We are also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That is at DynamoMC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch? What's up? That's an awesome trophy. But I wanted to jump into things pretty quick today because one thing I've been noticing on Twitter a lot is we try to find these situations that we like and then try to make sure that the player fits in the hole. So today I brought up the Bengals wide receivers. And I'll stop out, you know, Auden Tate could end up getting a lot more snaps over T Higgins. And a lot of the pushback I got was, well, they could, pl- they're going to play a lot of four wide sets now. That's not going to happen. Like Cincinnati played 11 total plays last year with four wide receivers and they played 800 in the 11 personnel. They're not just going to change because of a draft pick. We see the exact same thing happen with the running backs. If you like Jonathan Taylor, you'll hear Naheem Hines is going to go to the slot. If you like Nick Chubb, that means Hunt's going to be going the slot. It never happens. It's the same thing we used to hear about Duke Johnson. This stuff never happens. Just know that there's going to be some backs who don't get receiving work. I'm not saying that they can't catch the ball. These players can all catch the ball. But if the coaches don't have them on the field on third downs, then it doesn't really matter if they can catch the ball. Sorry. Just want to start off with that. Dan, Mitch talked longer during that intro than he has talked throughout the entire series of Dynasty Theory, all of those intros combined. We must be close to the NFL season, JB. Mitch is heating up tonight. It's time. I'm ready to go. He messaged me. Was that earlier today or yesterday, Mitch? You're like, I need to vent about these uh, running backs in the slot. Yesterday. Yep. Well, there you go. You had your opportunity. Before we get into things tonight, I want to talk about a revised schedule coming up. So we're live tonight, obviously. You're watching live on YouTube or Twitter. And then we're also live tomorrow night, same time, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Tonight's show will be released on the podcast feed later tonight, tomorrow morning. And then tomorrow night's show will be released next Monday. Mitch, what are the odds that I make it until next Monday to release that episode? It'll be out on Wednesday. (laughs) <laughs> most likely we all know I, it will be 
I just get so excited. I want to throw the episode out. I can't wait. But then starting Tuesday, September 8th, we will be live every Tuesday throughout the season. And then the show will be hitting podcast feeds wherever you typically listen shortly after that. Did I miss anything? Anything you guys want to throw in there? Hit it all, my man. Let's get let's get cranking tonight. I need to get my air conditioner fixed, guys. It is so hot in this room. Eventually, people are going to be watching this and be like, why is that guy dripping sweat by the end of the show? Because <laughs> I, I, can, I can't wear my glasses. They keep sliding down. It's not a very well-ventilated room. But anyway, we're going to kick off tonight's show with some recent news and reactions. And there's a lot of injuries that have been popping up. And I don't think we should be surprised based on you know them getting thrown into the things all of a sudden, essentially. They're not able to ease into it this year like in previous years. So let's run through some of the players, some of the injuries that have popped up, our thoughts on it, if there's any real concern there, and then if there's any dynasty impact or you know short-term, long-term. And Dan, let's start with you. So first up, there, uh, Lamar Jackson, groin injury, missed two straight practices, but he was back today on Monday. Any concern there? He's back, which is great. Overall, not concerned at all for Dynasty football. You know, what does it mean for us? You know, if you're doing a startup right now, maybe Patrick Mahomes is one and Lamar's two. Outside of that, it means absolutely nothing. I'm a little more concerned with DFS, you know, week one. If we don't get those long Lamar Jackson, you know, touchdown breakaway runs. So there's a, you know, a little concern of what he could do week one, maybe if he's conservative, but he's smart. The Ravens are going to be real smart for him. If he practices the rest of the way, I have no concerns. Mitch, anything on Lamar Jackson? No, I'm not worried about these veterans that get these little soft tissue injuries that last for a couple of days. I'm not worried about it at all. All right. Well, so we're going to move on pretty quickly there. We have a lot actually we want to get through tonight. Brandon Ayuk, leg injury. We know Debo Samuel is out. Jalen Hurd, he's out for the season with the ACL. And Mitch, I want to start with you. Any concern here with the leg injury? Yeah, it's a rookie wide receiver who's going to miss time with his quarterback because that's all their time they're going to have to, you know, get in sync is going to be on these practice days. So I'm really worried about a rookie wide receiver, but like it's just the veterans that I'm not worried about. I mean, we're going to talk about a couple of guys coming up, though. I think it matters maybe a little bit more too. now. What impact is this going to have on that team? Because we were already really high on George Kittle. So Mm -hmm. every time I see something happen, whether it was Debo Samuel, Jalen Hurd, there was a lot of hype during the offseason. I just keep seeing those targets going up and up and up for George Kittle. That's the problem is they're going to be a low pass volume team to begin with. And he's already getting 25% of the targets. So does that mean he gets one more target or two more targets a game? Because the rest are going to end up going somewhere else. So someone like, like I've been buying or getting Trent Taylor off the waiver wire in every league possible. Something that Dan talked about probably a month ago now, but he was definitely on it then. And you know, it's paying off now. Yeah. For Trent Taylor, that was, there was a report last off season. If you guys remember probably right around the same time that he was emerging as a real threat to play out of the slot and get significant time. And then he had that injury. And I think I blew my, my fab on him in quite a few leagues. Uh, One of the co-owned leagues, Mitch, and you messaged me like, man, what are you doing? And I was like, listen, we got to get Trent Taylor. And then the next week he was injured. And Mitch, I noticed you changed your verbiage there. I like that. I did. I did. Trying to. Trying not to say bye anymore. It's just just a weird word to say. Yeah. Dan, what are your thoughts on this wide receiver group? Is this an uptick for George Kittle? Just a simple avoid for the rest of this this wide receiver core? Um, You know, when we had Stefania Bell on the show, her thought was Debo Samuel, no impact for Dynasty. Brandon Ayuk? Same boat? 
You know, you know, Mitch said it best, rookie to veteran. We are concerned because it's a rookie wide receiver. And this is a situation I'm monitoring closely. And, you know, as I look at our comments going through the stream there, and I hope our listeners don't think I'm being rude. I, I haven't figured out the comment function here. I got to figure out how to log into this darn thing. But, <laughs> you know, I see the Tavon Austin one that always, like, you know, it strikes at my hard chords there, JB, Tavon Austin. You know, after, you know, he was a cowboy and I had Austin probably on every bench for the last 10 years only to be let down every year for 10 years. But no, Austin's not in, the, not in the solution at all. But I am monitoring this closely. We all agree, Kittle number one, and that's becoming more transparent day and day. I'm starting to wonder if Debo is going to be back week one. You know, when Stefania was on the show, I thought there was not a chance. And then I think maybe a couple weeks after Stefania was on the show, we saw that little Instagram video where Debo was really, I don't think he had sneakers on, but he was sprinting around in this fitness room. And man, he was putting some weight and some pressure on that foot, and he looked quick. And now they're saying there's a better chance. So I'm starting to really drink the Debo Kool-Aid a little bit. I love Trent Taylor. I'm hoping it's Trent Taylor time. And, JB, your fab a year ago was was well spent at that time. We didn't know Pettis was going to be a bust last year, but I think the Niners did, and he was heavily supposed to be in their plans. Now here we are a year later. I think he's in their plans, but now we're hearing Pettis is resurging. Maybe that's just you know hype. But Ayuk was after a good start. But we got a rookie who's developing and now has a hammy issue. So let's see how he is uh, able to manage and pull through that. Because if you set that back, you could be out a while. My fab was not well spent because in most of those leagues, I ended up dropping him then. I had to create, you know, my teams, they're typically so deep. And I, I have so much strong depth. There just wasn't room for an injured Trent Taylor. But it was worth it to spend all that fab on him because they were so deep that you were like, I'm going to spend all my fab on Trent Taylor. <laughs> all right, <laughs> moving on, on. On that note, moving on. All right, now this one is actually, I think, a little more interesting. Daryl Henderson, hamstring popping up. They they hope, they think he's going to be back for week one, but missing these, you know, however long it is, every day he's out. And Dan, you're coming with that coaching background. You know very well, every day he misses, Cam Akers is taking full advantage of the opportunity ahead of him. And you guys know, I mean, pre-draft, I was a fan of Cam Akers. I, I thought he was going to land in a solid situation. We talked about Atlanta several times. And then he goes to the Rams with subpar offensive line, somewhat crowded backfield. Now it seems like the stars could be aligning for him. Mitch, what are your thoughts on the Henderson injury and how it ties back to Cam Akers? And then Dan, cover your ears, Malcolm Brown. See, this is one that I think actually matters quite a bit. The more time Henderson's off the field, the more time it gives Cam Akers to show that he's ready. And that's what these rookies are going to need is just show. Because talent-wise, Akers is more talented than Daryl Henderson. He just is. So the more opportunity he gets, the more reps he gets, the sooner he will be on the field over Henderson. I think my hope was Akers would stay a little bit lower down this season and Henderson would pick up speed as we went. But now I think it's going to be end up being acres backfield sooner rather than later. If, if Henderson does miss any time here, it's going, like I said, it's going to be cam Akers' job to lose. If he, you know, plugs along here day in, day out, gets the job done in practice, no glaring issues. I would think that he would get the first crack at things, but I, I still think it's going to be a committee. So Dan, I know you were kind of a fan of Henderson pre-draft. You thought he could have the opportunity to be the guy in Los Angeles. Again, this is pre-draft, so Akers was not there yet. And we all know your feelings from Malcolm Brown. I don't know what he did to you in a past life, but man, you just have some disdain towards that man. 
But Daryl Henderson, do you think this presents a good buy low opportunity in dynasty leagues? Is this a situation where if you have Cam Akers, you might be looking to move him because of the inflated perceived value? How are you looking at this whole situation? Because there's a lot going on here. First, Mitch, did you have the stopwatch going then? I'm wondering how many words John, John you know, put out there before he came up for air. Did you have a more than I can? That was that was more than I can. But we know just go. I I don't think I took a breath there for about a minute and thirty seconds. As you see, the sweat poured on my face. I've been building up here to actually pay you a compliment, and I I couldn't even get it out. And I'm a little depressed now because I, you know, I started the show on a high. You know, I did the the big trophy for my one point victory over JB. Put that trophy away. I will mute you for the rest of the show. But now I feel defeated because in my notes here, it says JB was right. Malcolm Brown is just not going away. He is just not going away because Henderson goes down and there's Malcolm Brown leading the reps at certain points of the Rams practice. Uh, You know, to both your points, I think Akers, it's more opportunity for him. I think the key words to what you said, Mitch, is he has to seize the opportunity. He's got to take advantage of those reps that he has. If he does, he's going to gain more confidence in that coaching staff, and that'll help his value early in the season. Now, I think Henderson's supposed to be back. I think Henderson was doing decent when he was there, but I'm getting a little worried that this is a a three-way committee here. I like that. Go fund me for JB. You definitely need a JP there. The, The sweat's pouring tonight, especially with all those words you're pumping out. We actually, we are getting a new air conditioner. We moved a couple months ago, but everywhere else in the house, it's okay. It's just not an energy efficient air conditioner, but the vents in this room, I, I, I don't know. But it, I mean, with the way I've been eating my quarantine diet, maybe it's okay if I sweat out a few extra calories here. The last thing that I'll add on this whole Rams backfield is I still don't want any of them. Like, I, I still that don't was, want that was my next question. I don't want Malcolm Brown. You know, I don't want Daryl Henderson, even though I was trading for him before the draft. It's this offense has a chance of being really bad run wise. Um, So you can look at it two ways. Everyone talks about the 12 personnel, right? We've gone over many times that they used it more, but they didn't use it as heavily as other teams did. Hey, don't 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 get into I don't get into it too much because we do want to talk about somebody else a little bit later. I'm not. So the only thing that I'm bringing up about it is. You just ruined my whole train of thought. Like I was getting ready to go. But no, the problem is, so if you're going to look at it and be like, okay, the Rams are going to stick with that 12 personnel. And that's their plan. The Rams didn't throw to running backs at all last year. They threw them through to them at a 10% target share. That was the lowest in the league by almost five or 6%. So if you think the offense is going to stay the same as last year, those backs are almost non-existent fantasy-wise. And that was with Todd Gurley, even though we saw situations where he was benched and he he still was healthy, we were told. But that, that's with Todd Gurley, who's proven that he can be an asset in the passing game. And now you have a lot of question marks. You have Daryl Henderson. I'm coming over to you, Dan. Don't worry. Once I come up for air. So give me about a minute and 30 seconds here. <laughs> we got Daryl Henderson. You know, we didn't see much from him last year. And just the unknown. And yeah, Cam Akers, I'm sure he can be utilized in the passing game. We saw it in college. How is that going to translate here into the NFL? But like you said, Mitch, just with the the assets and the, the weapons at tight end and receiver, how utilized are those running backs going to be? Because we didn't see it last year. And Dan, you had something? Here's where I'm struggling. And maybe you guys could help our listeners out. So generously, maybe there's 19, 20 running backs in our rankings that 
have the Lions amount of the carries. They're, they're going to take it. We feel pretty confident about putting them on our rosters. But you go in a 12, 14-team dynasty league, you know those 19, 20 backs are getting gobbled up pretty pretty quick. And where does that leave us? With every single running back combination that none of us are happy about, whether it be Akers and Henderson, whether it be Singletary and Moss, whether it be the Lions backs we're going to get to, whether it be the Bears running backs, and they're the best of the best at this point. You've got to take them. At what point do we get some conviction and say, hey, it's not a bad guy to have or you want to have him? Like, I'm struggling with it. And, that, and that's where I'm passing up on some of these guys in dynasty leagues because I'm taking a more safe, secure wide receiver or, or shoring up another position. But I feel like I'm going to have regrets somewhere passing up somebody in this tier that's we're, we're approaching. What's your thoughts? For me, like you compared it to the Bills, and I see Moss and Singletary, and maybe it's going to change after 2020, but doing our projections that Mitch and I put together – I think that's going to be more of a 50-50 split in terms of usage, passing game on the ground. But then you look at a team like the Rams, this very well could be a situation where it simply is, one, just three-way committee. Or maybe there is an opportunity for one of these backs to really take control. Because when we saw Todd Gurley even remotely healthy last year, it was a one-man show. There was no timeshare. So, so is the kind of the moral of the story for our listeners that you have to be patient? You know, if you have Howard and Brita, if you have those pairs, you know, it can be frustrating trying to guess which one to play early in the season. You yeah, know, do, th- do you get them both or what happens if you get the wrong one? That's what I was going to say, because at the price that these Rams running backs are going, let's say you're in a startup today, I would think that you could get all three of them or at least two of them at some point later in the draft, obviously Cam Akers being the most expensive. But now when you look at Daryl Henderson because of this injury, how major is it? We don't really know. You know, it's pure speculation, but his value is going to drop in drafts. Mitch, so you said you're just avoiding it, or would you ever look to acquire two out of the three pieces? No, I I fully believe you could just stay out on some backfields and be okay in Dynasty. Like you don't have to have shares of every single backfield because not every single backfield produces. So if you could take a stand on one and you end up being right, you're that ahead of the other teams in your league. So this is one offense that I'm completely saying, like I like the pass catchers, but I don't want anything to do with the running backs. Joey here but, says, can we agree it's really between Akers and Henderson? And the Malcolm Brown, it's kind of like an ongoing joke. For anybody that doesn't know, I brought him up twice in like 50 episodes. And Dan's like, JB, you always bring him up. Well, according to my calculation, that's 4% of the show. So I wouldn't say that's always Dan. But yeah, I, I do think it's between those two. And I, I think Malcolm Brown's going to be one of those guys that's just annoying enough to take a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. four, five, six touches a game. Nothing crazy, but it's going to be just enough to, you know, you're watching Red Zone, you're watching the games on a Sunday, and you're like, get him out of there. Like, you, you hate to see him in the game. That's going to be the situation. Yeah, and I think it's between those two as far as having a high ceiling. Like, like you're hoping one of them breaks through. Malcolm Brown's never going to be a superstar. But to Mitch shaking his head, no, I think Malcolm Brown's still relevant because Akers is a rookie, still proving himself. Henderson's still proving himself. Andy, now we're dealing with health. Malcolm Brown could sneak in there and be a, a bubble decision where you might want to play him one week, especially if he's getting those red zone carries. Peyton Barber last year. That's how I look at him. A horrible offensive line. A pretty good end up being a good defense in Tampa Bay. He's not going to get any receiving work. I see him as Peyton Barber. And how many weeks were you starting Peyton Barber, even though he got 15 or 16 touches a game? We have a comment here. Malcolm Brown is the reverse Duke Johnson. No yeah. one ever wants to see him, <laughs> but he gets play. And then Duke Johnson, we're screaming, please put him in. 
and he doesn't get the opportunity. I like that <laughs> comment there, Joey. All right. So moving ahead, I think that was some some good commentary and some thoughts. Again, speculation, because we don't know, is this hamstring issue going to linger? And it happens all the time with these soft tissue issues. I love saying that, soft tissue issues. I think I've incorporated that into three or four episodes in a row here. That might be my new catchphrase. One more backfield we want to look at here. And Mitch, this is close to your heart, man. Mm -hmm. And we took part in a few of those FFPC leagues. And the first three we did together, we walked away with DeAndre Swift in all three. And now he tweaked something in his left leg. I don't know if the report came out exactly what it was, but he missed Friday and Saturday after leaving early on Thursday. And Mitch, I want to start with you. Is there any concern here in your mind? You know, you have DeAndre Swift. Should you maybe throw a low ball offer out for Kerryon Johnson? Because we know he's not going to be that expensive or vice versa. Just like I asked Dan before, if you have Kerryon Johnson, do you look to maybe capitalize on any perceived value bump right now? I think the problem is everybody's seen carry on with the brace. And since everyone's seen carry on with that brace on, and he has the quote, I don't know if you have it written down, but he pretty much had a quote saying to where he's the brace guy now that he will work out in it. And seeing a running back with the brace on his knee, he's never going to have value as far as I'm concerned now. Like as far as dynasty goes, we hate players for a lot less than that. So I don't think he's going to have a lot of value. It does worry me a little bit for Swift, just rookie missing time. But again, it's carry on, carry on in front of him and carry on can't stay healthy. So I'm not worried about Bo Scarborough or Ty Johnson. And in that same quote, carry on basically said that he can't do the things that DeAndre Swift can do. What vote of confidence? Do, like right? that basically you're rolling over. And Dan, as a former coach, if you heard one of your players say that, how crazy would you be going right there? He'd be on the trade block there. You know, I'd, I'd be pulling out the Parcells quotes there and trying to toughen up my running back a little bit. Just Wait, in college, you'd be you'd have your college player on a trade block? What are you guys doing there at Lackawanna? <laughs> you know, it might not be the trade, it might be the trade block for a bench spot, you know. There you go. It's, there you it's go. just not gonna fly. But you know, this has timeshare written all over it. And uh, you know, I think we always we want to see that rookie take the bull by the horns and just separate himself, and then you get a little injury like this that derails some of that momentum. You know, it's not like Clyde Edwards Alaire and then Kansas City, where they're projecting just big things right out of the general manager's mouth, and you're feeling super confident right now in, in, in his his situation. So this one has timeshare. And I think for this year at least, you just, you know, you're if you are for some reason investing in the Lions backfield, you're taking in both of them. I think you're the better investment is Swift as a long-term choice that you know you want on your dynasty roster. As we look at these running back situations, you mentioned uh, Singletary and Moss. You know, I think you're investing there in a little more of a stable situation in a competitive Buffalo Bills team with a good offensive line. And I think you could get good production out of the two where I think the Rams in Detroit, you're holding your breath a little bit more as it's going to be more pass to set up the run. And both of those O-lines have to prove themselves early on as they still have question marks. For me, I, I think this gives it presents a nice opportunity if there are any managers out there thinking, oh, th just the, the sentiment you shared, Dan, a rookie running back. This is a tough situation. We know that Detroit likes to utilize the committee. Maybe there are some people. I'm not going to say there's a lot, but maybe there are some people looking to maybe get another asset instead of DeAndre Swift that they could be a little bit more sure of here in 2020 if they're a contender. So maybe we throw a few feelers out because long-term dynasty, I mean, a minor injury in training camp should not impact anybody's dynasty value for me, unless you're like a bubble guy or something. Yeah, and in two weeks, someone will miss three or four plays and it'll get tweeted out and then that person will drop four or five rounds at that point. 
Yeah, and you too, you you really you beat me down here throughout the offseason. You really wore on me because I like DeAndre Swift pre-draft, and I was one of those people, I'll admit it, he went to Detroit, and anybody that's listened to the show, he went to Detroit, and I was I was low on him. I can admit that. It's not often that I'm I'm wrong, but I think here I was wrong. And and Mitch, you can correct me there, I'm sure. But I, DeAndre Swift, he's one of those players now that I'm all gung-ho about. And I do think he offers that maybe mid running back two upside here in 2020. Maybe that's his ceiling just given the situation. But he's somebody that I I have really been coming around on. Anything else here with the two running back situations we talked about, Brandon Ayuk and Lamar Jackson before we move on? No, Lamar just needs to be good for week good. one. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. And if he isn't, I'm sure all hell is going to break loose on, on Twitter. And then I'm sure the Lee chats will be very active. There are two wide receivers and coincidentally, both with the last name Williams that are going through some injuries here. I want to touch on this very quickly. Mike Williams, shoulder sprain would be shocked. This is the report. They would be shocked if he wasn't ready by week one. Any reason to discuss this further, guys? Any thoughts here on Mike Williams, the Chargers offense? I think there is. And to Mitch's point, I mean, he's losing his his luster that I think I know I had for Mike Williams. You know, he was a guy I was high on. I still like Mike Williams as a football player. Uh, but for fantasy football, he just keeps moving down the, the tiers here for me. And I think he's going to be okay week one. If you have Mike Williams, you're not really, you know, panicking depending on what your expectations of him are. But it really has me thinking going back to what last year and watching film, films of Williams and the way he plays and the way he goes up for the balls and he lands hard. And I'm starting to be concerned about like the shelf dynasty life for Mike Williams, the way with the abuse his body's taken because uh, he does land hard. He plays physical and he, he battling through a lot of injuries. And I also think volumes a concern in L.A. So I think just if you are high on Mike Williams, again, he's a talented football player, but please, I would say temper your expectations in fantasy and especially dynasty. But we've seen his price drop significantly, even from last offseason. And Dan, with you having him in a few of the leagues that we take part in together, I knew what your asking price was. And I, at that point in time, I thought you might be off your rocker. But now that we've been doing the show together for a while, I know you're off your rocker. But <laughs> for, for Mike Williams, his price has dropped significantly. So if he can stay healthy, and I, I saw this uh, some numbers today with Tyrod Taylor comparing him to Phillip Rivers, and it was showing uh, deep targets down the field per game. And they were pretty much dead even. Yes, the volume might be down, but I think Tyrod Taylor, he's still going to be able to take the shots down the field of Mike Williams for as long as he's the starting quarterback, at least. But like you said, Dan, I think it is something to keep an eye on. And then Tyrell Williams, torn labrum. Mitch, he's saying he's going to play through it. What are your thoughts on that? He says he's going to play. I mean, he's someone who he's always been just the DFS play. He's been, you get a, get the gazelle pick, you know, that gif going off once or twice a year and everyone's really happy about it. But he's not somebody you've ever wanted to have, you know, as an everyday, every week starter on your fantasy teams. So as far as he's concerned, if you have him rostered, I would look at him the exact same way. Maybe he could have a blow up week, but that was before they had rugs on the team. And now that they have rugs, I don't know how many more of those gazelle gifts we're going to get. It could all just be rugs gifts at this point. Are you saying gif? Yes, it's gifts. It's not gifs. I, I, you're speaking another language there because I think I, I say Jeff and I think that's the way that it should be pronounced, but Tyrell Williams, here's the way I look at it. I don't want to spend too much time on it because no offense to him, but it is Tyrell Williams. He's going to be 29 heading into next year. 
zero dead cap going into 2021. So if I'm Tyrell Williams, you're almost playing for one last contract here, essentially, right? So I think he is going to play through it. Is he going to have much of an impact? Mitch, we had him around 60 targets prior to this. Do you still feel comfortable with him there? Yeah, it's not many. It's what, three a game, four a game? Maybe yeah, but- he drops to... Maybe he drops down to three, but I don't think it's enough enough to make a big enough difference for him fantasy-wise. All right, before we move on, Dan, anything you want to throw out there on the exciting Tyrell Williams? I think I'd be scouring the waiver wire very hard and see if you could replace Tyrell Williams because that's where he belongs on the waiver wire right now. Unfortunately, I, I think that's the case mitch we talked about this i don't it might have been on one of the guest spots whenever these wide receivers go to another team they have the perceived value spike and we were just hoping that tyrell williams was going to take advantage of that and he did not for one reason or another some of it being injuries before we go on to our next segment we're going to have a word from our sponsor who out there is ready to unveil their summer body i'll be the first to admit that quarantine hasn't necessarily been great for my physique but at least I don't look like I'm wearing a bear rug on my chest. I have already gone on one vacation this year. And even though I might not have that six pack guys, my chest, it was silky smooth. Go to manscape.com and check out the perfect package 3.0 kit, which includes the lawnmower 3.0 body trimmer with a ton of other great stuff. And if you subscribe to the perfect package, not only are you going to get a new blade refill delivered to your front door every three months, But for a limited time, you're going to get two free gifts. You're going to get the travel bag and also the high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped boxer briefs. And I can tell you, they are beyond comfortable. So go over to manscaped.com, check out all of the great products they have, and use code THEORY20 to get not only 20% off, but also free shipping. Again, that's code THEORY20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. I'm going on another vacation next week, and that's why we're doing the back-to-back shows. So I got to make sure I'm all cleaned up. And I think I'm going to have to change that promo because I said I went on one vacation. We're doubling up now, guys. Two vacations. I can't wait. I I need a vacation from you two anyway, and I think you two might need a vacation (laughs) from me. All right, moving on. Another backfield that is really intriguing. Dan, you kind of wanted to touch on this. Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. There were reports already coming out uh, a few weeks ago that Melvin Gordon – was having some issues adjusting to the elevation there in Denver. But now it seems like there's talks that it's going to be more and more of a 50-50 split than we might have thought initially. What are your thoughts on this situation? I like both of these guys, man. I think Melvin Gordon's a beast. You know, I've always liked Philip Lindsay. I'm very encouraged. You know, he continues to put on some muscle and impress the Denver offense. And, you know, I'd say Gordon has the edge. He's the guy you'd prefer, but Lindsey's still relevant, which is good. It's a nice one-two punch with a young offense. And uh, Mike Munchak coached offensive line. They're going to pound the rock. They're going to take the pressure off that young quarterback. So I think they're both two good guys to have on your fantasy football rosters. Better value right now, Mitch. Melvin uh, Gordon, Philip Lindsey. I was saying Melvin Gordon this whole time, but ever since that quote came out, not anymore because he's still being drafted up by Leonard Fournette. And right now, Fournette's just going to get all the work, and Gordon's not. And the funny thing is I look at Gordon as Leonard Fournette, just with pos- with passing down work. He's not the most talented guy, but he always had 25 touches with the Chargers. And now in Denver, if he drops down to 16 or 17, I'm really worried about, you know, 
how many teams I'm going to have him rostered on this year. It's scary out there because if he doesn't get that 25, I don't think he has the talent to produce like what Philip Lindsay does on 15. The, the the way this has been shaping up, and I say shaping up, but the reports that have been coming out, and again, speculation during the offseason, for me, Philip Lindsay is the better value of the two. And that just kind of, I mean, I was with you, Mitch. I liked the signing initially from Melvin Gordon, and I was never much of a Philip Lindsay guy, but he's one of those guys that he does nothing but produce. Obviously, the story of him being the undrafted free agent, but then he's going to put up enough of an obstacle here for Melvin Gordon in 2020. And I know we're talking dynasty, but a lot of Melvin Gordon's value for dynasty is predicated on the fact that he was going to get touches here in 2020. And now I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. And Dan is throwing out the red flag. I'm challenging both JB and Mitch here. Uh I I still think Gordon is the guy to have in Denver. You you think he's the better value at their ADP? I just think he's the guy I'd prefer to have. Is he the better value at their ADP? He's going to have more touches and he's going to have more touchdowns. But but when we look at the efficiency that Melvin Gordon has had throughout his career, he better have more touches or else Philip Lindsay, he's going to be the leader there in terms of fantasy points. But still, I've asked you three times now and you haven't answered my question, Dan. Who is the better value at the respective ADP and dynasty? I'm not going to overpay for Melvin Gordon in the draft, so I probably won't get him, but I will take him. I, I will take him. I would much. I'm, I'm sticking with Melvin Gordon. He, he's going to have a bigger year than Philip Lindsay. Mitch, any other he, thoughts here on Melvin Gordon? You win your league than Philip Lindsay. My biggest yeah. worry is Lindsay just gets enough to hurt Gordon's value because Gordon has, like I was saying before, he's never been the guy on twelve. He, he he's not Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler got you know 13 touches last year and scored 280 fantasy points. Melvin Gordon's never been that guy. He's the guy who needs the volume. That's why I kind of compared him to Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette needs 30 touches to be relevant. I think Melvin Gordon's kind of the same. So if Philip Lindsay drops him down to 18 or 19, I think that could really hurt Gordon's upside. And Gordon's still going around all those other backs who are going to get the ball 280 or 300 times this year. So that's my only worry. And and this is very anecdotal. But in uh, one of the FFPC redraft drafts, redraft drafts? Yeah, redraft draft. Melvin Gordon went early third that I'm in. And that is, you're taking him early third, especially in a tight end premium 1.5 PPR for tight ends. You have that mindset that this is his backfield. I I couldn't touch him there in redraft. And then Dynasty, like you said, I I would say that people might have him valued similarly to a Le'Veon Bell maybe just behind Leonard Fournette. I just just think he's a stud guy that just needs to stay healthy. I mean, when he is healthy and on his game and you watch him run, he's a beast. He could run. He could catch. He could block. He doesn't have to come off the field. Lindsay's not going to get much higher. I I think everyone knows he can't be just the guy. Melvin Gordon could. And I think this is an offense that could sustain two backs, sort of like the Chargers did in years past when it was, you know, Gordon and Eckler, you know, eventually Eckler took off and blossomed and, so, again, I have Gordon in that second, middle, late, second tier of running backs where I have Lindsey at the back end of tier three, and I don't see Lindsey getting much higher than that. He's just, again, a good football player that you know might have some standalone value, and you hope he pops off one of those big runs and, and gets you some decent points. But I think Melvin Gordon's going to be a guy to get the touchdowns and get the most, touchdown, most touches. If it well, just- does go down like Dan was saying, and it ends up being the same share that it kind of was with the Chargers for Gordon and for 
you know, Lindsay, I completely agree that that's Gordon's going to be the guy to have. My worry is just the coaching staff has already said that they're going to be splitting time. So that's, that's my worry with it. I, I still prefer if we're looking at straight value, not who would I rather have, but at their respective prices, I would take Philip Lindsay. And when we look at Melvin Gordon, he has the two-year contract. His value is not going up at all. Is his production going to outweigh his value? I don't know, but that's the only case that it makes sense to take him if he's going to put up those numbers over the next two years. And Dan, you clearly think he will. I, I don't think he's, I think he's going to disappoint you, Dan. It's possible. But I mean, Denver's investing in him and they're building the offense where, I mean, there's a path for him to do well for two, three years. Beyond that, I mean, but to your point, JB, if he's doing really well and that opportunity to get good value back in Dynasty, you know, sell when the opportunity's there. Yeah, especially if you're not a contender and you still have Melvin Gordon lingering on your roster, that most likely is going to be the best time to move him. And we're going to move on here. And we had a few questions pop up in the chat. And this is a player that obviously really young wide receiver, Nikhil Harry, guys. They look to have some good reports here coming out on Monday. Made some red zone catches there. Cam Newton was throwing him the ball. But conditioning might be a concern. Things weren't sounding good late last week over the weekend. What are your thoughts here on Nikhil Harry? Because we've talked about him a little bit throughout various episodes. And Dan, let's start with you. This is a tough one here, and I'm struggling. This this might be a therapy session for me that you guys could provide because I am super high on Cam this year, and, and I just think you got a quarterback who's in incredible shape. He's determined. He's with the GOAT, Belichick. He's with McDaniels, and I think there's weapons there, even though they're a little more designed to run, and I think Cam's going to have to produce on the ground. He seemed to develop some chemistry with Harry. Obviously, some of these reports, there's still some trouble with him separating. Uh, my take on Nikhil Harry is improvement. But I think patience is going to have to be needed for owners. I think he is the kind of guy that fits in that little COVID conversation of not having a normal offseason and still developing. I think he's one of those wide receivers that's going to take a little more time than we like. You know, I think you'll have a little more flashes this year than a year ago because of the offense with Cam. But I don't see a breakout coming this season. So I think, you know, you have to be patient, temper your expectations, and be in it for the long haul. If you could get more than his value, sell. I don't think you're going to get that return right now. Again, just how fickle either, the dynasty but... community is. And we're talking about all these reports and the speculation and news. And I use the air quotes. We're, we're all, everybody is overreacting. You know, I the name of this episode, training camp hype and overreactions. It was it's... only two weeks ago. Sorry, Mitch. It was only, you take, take this with your next comment here, but it was only like two, three weeks ago that I could not touch Nikhil Harry off people because they thought he was going to just be superstar stud. And now these comments roll out. So, He's tough to get. The See, only I news I care about is the negative news. I mean, right now, everybody's hyped up. I mean, uh, so every Washington football team's back has been praised as the next Christian McCaffrey, right? I mean, that's just the, how the hype pieces go. So when I see negative news, and it's the same way I feel about Keyshawn right now, Nikhil Harry, Mike Reese came out from ESPN and just pretty much said that Nikhil Harry's not in shape. He's not making the con contested catches that everybody else is making. And that is what Harry should do. That's what he should excel yep. at. And he's not doing it. He had, by all accounts, he had a great practice today. But if this is the first day you're showing it after the previous week of being in pads, that's what my big worry is. And, and the big worry, and hold, hold on to your flag there, Dan. You can throw it in a second. But the big worry on Nikhil Harry, and Ben dropped it in the chat here, and I'm glad that he did, is the separation, or should I say lack thereof, 
But we have seen, and, and people have done different studies, separation really, there's no real correlation there to fantasy production. Yes, it could be separation. It's going to lead you to more time on the field. But we know Nikhil Harry, six foot four, big body receiver, he's not known to separate. We knew that about him. We know that he's going to be able to make those contested catches. And Mitch, you brought that up. If he can't make those contested catches, what he's known for, that's going to be the real issue. But one thing I want to say before we get over to Dan and the yellow flag that he's going to throw at me here, you know, Nikhil Harry, he could be one of the main beneficiaries here with Cam Newton at quarterback. Cam Newton made Devin Funches look really good. Cam Newton made Kelvin Benjamin look great. You could look at it. Maybe he just didn't have the undersized receivers, so he had to utilize them. But Cam Newton in the past has made big-bodied receivers look extremely competent. And what happened after that? They didn't look that good. So I do think that Nikhil Harry is somebody that I would be interested in acquiring right now. And especially in startups, his price is just dropping by the minute. So Nikhil Harry, I'm actually coming around on him because what do I say, guys? It's always price dependent. All right, Dan, throw the yellow flag. What do you want? All right, the flag's been thrown. The the flag is thrown on Twitter. First, you missed a good comment by Justin up there. Dak does use theory code 20, okay? He's he's looking pretty pretty clean shaved and a little bit of a stash there, but it's trimmed well, so he does. But um, you got to understand the game of football, and that's where people on Twitter have got to be patient. You know, Auden Tate is looking great this camp. That's great that Auden Tate's looking great. That means he's going to be a contributing football player to the Bengals, not to fantasy football. Cam Newton only this last week was starting to get in a rhythm. You're learning a brand new offense that is not easy to learn in New England there. So there's got to, you got to temper your expectations and your patience. As far as Harry getting separation, to JB's point, that's not been a strength of his. That's something over time he's going to continue to develop. But you can't expect him to be you know making out these lights-out catches when Cam Newton's still figuring out the offense. So follow these teams closely and, and think of where they're going to go. It is a long season. We haven't even hit week one. we got 16-week season ahead of us. I, I would say by week 16, Cam's going to be throwing some touchdowns and Harry's going to have some decent stats this year. But you still can't get him, John. People still value him too high. What would you move for him? What would I move for him? Let me go over here to the rankings. I like Harry, and that's because I'm high on Cam. So if I could get some New England receivers, and I've been trying to get New England receivers at a value this year, whether it's Edelman, even Sanu a little bit, trying to get some shares. So Harry, my, I've my, got my, – My biggest worry, it's not so much the the reports that have been coming out of his on-the-field play. It's the fact – there was one report that he had to step off the field and went behind like a light post or something was like down on his knees. That doesn't sound like a player that came in to camp in shape. And Mitch, you said previously on another show that the expectation is these guys do their job and they come in shape. Well, there's some mixed comments there, JB, because there's some reports that he slimmed down and is in really good shape this year. I don't think conditioning's an issue with Harry. I just think it's the offense and him still developing and against a very good. The the, the offense made him step off the field and, and, and curl over. Hey, Steve, Stephon Gilmore can make a lot of people curl over. You never know. You, you don't know the context behind the situation, I guess, is what I'm saying. I, I would need some more information there. Justin, you're right. Harry does use Code Theory 20 as well. And, uh, you know, well, I have him in the right now. With he's he's got to take Williams. care of himself. A lot of these rookie wide receivers, you know, Brashad Perryman, Mike Williams. He's in that class. He's in that, what, fourth tier of wide receivers, third, fourth tier. Yes, he is right next to Brashad Perryman. I completely agree. 
but I would much rather have him. I would give you Perryman and a draft pick for Harry, a second round pick. So. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what do you want from JB? How could you trade him to me somewhere? No, because I'm not. I'm not big on Brashad Perryman, even though I've been told by many that he's going to crack a thousand yards this season. I, I should have put some money down on that one. We'll see. All right. So th- that's our thoughts on Nikhil Harry and Mitch. When we were talking in the chat today, you were like, "Oh, I think this is going to be a nice, easy thirty-minute episode." Nope. When you have somebody like me that doesn't come up for air. And Dan, this is your fault. Before the show, I was a little lethargic. I was sweating because of the lack of airflow in this room. But now, now the juices are flowing, and, and we're all jacked up over here. But I stopped you earlier, Mitch, because I thought you were getting into this player a little bit, talking about the 12 personnel for the Rams. Van Jefferson, the report came out in The Athletic that he's been getting a lot of run there early on in camp. And, well, I'll turn it over to you, Mitch, because you want to talk about Van. Yeah, I hope I'm saying her name right, but it's Jordan Rodrigue from The Athletic had an awesome piece talking about the Rams scrimmage that happened on Saturday. And one of the point, what happens with these beat writers is they're not allowed to say what personnel groupings are running or even who's in what personnel grouping, but they're allowed to say where people are lining up, right? So she was talking about Van Jefferson and he was running out of the X wide receiver position against Jalen Ramsey on the first team. And so if we know that, then we know Cooper Cup's in the slot because otherwise, why would Cooper Cup be on the sideline when the first team is out, right? So I think we're going to end up seeing a lot more 11 personnel, which what I thought all along. So maybe this is just a little bit of confirmation bias for me. But I think when it's going to come down to it, the Rams are going to go back to 11 personnel. Van Jefferson's going to be on the field and Van Jefferson's still beginning targets. And now if that's the case, because we've seen the decline in that offensive line, to, to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. So if they go to 11 personnel, well, one, that's going to be the the big conversation. We talk about value. Who's a better value, Tyler Higby or Gerald Everett? And everybody's talking, you know, everybody loves Gerald Everett because if they want to be contrarian, there's, there's small sample size. But over here at Dynasty Theory, at least two-thirds of us, we are team Tyler Higby. So we will not listen to that slander. Maybe all three of us, Dan? Maybe all three of us? With you. I'm with you. Yeah, right. I, I think I think Mitch is a little a little bit uh you know he's got his goggles on there. I don't know for Van, for Van Jefferson. I you're talking like three A and three B between Josh Reynolds and Van Jefferson, and I, I think Josh is still a little bit more seasoned than him. I think it's going to take an injury to either Cup Woods Higby or Everett to make any one of these guys in the radar for Dynasty. Van Jefferson, nice guy to have on your bench, Mitch. I think over time, you know, he's showing some good signs early and he'll develop. But uh, the value of Everett's really good. I think whether it's for this season or, uh, you know, next year as a free agent, but he's definitely incentivized. But I think you have a good balance of 12 and 11 personnel, and, and they're going to have to throw the ball. So, I mean, this is a passing offense, but I think someone's got to get hurt to make one of those guys relevant. And Justin has a comment because we haven't mentioned his name yet, but Josh Reynolds is going to score more points than Van Jefferson. Justin, please. Go to the pin tweet that I have on Twitter. We're not going to put up a fight there because we also have Josh Reynolds over Van Jefferson here in 2020. And I don't think that's going to change even with these glowing endorsements that we've been seeing left and right on Van Jefferson. But in terms of a dynasty asset in rookie drafts, I was getting him in the third, fourth round at times of super flex rookie drafts. So that's an asset that I think we're only going to see appreciate and if they do run a little more 11 personnel and he's able to see the field, that's going to be an interesting situation. Mitch, do you have anything else here on Van? Um, yeah, no, like you said, him and Josh Reynolds could end up splitting that time. But I think this is showing if that's what they're doing during their first scrimmage, having a rookie out there at the X, 
if Cooper Cup is playing in the slot, I think it means great things for Cooper Cup, someone that a lot of people have been down on because they're so worried if he doesn't get that slot work this year. So if he gets it, man, I'm going to fall in love with Cooper Cup really quickly week one. And I I, yeah, I think the 11 personnel, that it benefits Higby because with that extension, I would be shocked to see him on the bench in many one tight end sets. I love all those Rams targets. You know, I worry a little bit late in the season that they get burned out if, you know, that offensive line struggles a little, if they don't get that running game going and take some pressure off. Kind of like we saw at Tampa Bay last year where I think Godwin and Evans, who were awesome all year, they were just beat up by, you know, the end of the year. So I do worry a little bit about, you know, that aspect for the Rams. Now we're talking about all these pass-catching options. If they're an 11 personnel, most likely throwing out of it because that offensive line, like we talked about, this goes back to that running back room. How much work are they going to get and who are they going to rely on? Honestly, your guess is as good as mine when it comes down to it. Two more things we want to talk about. There were videos circulating, and then we kind of reverted back on the one, and I'll get to that in a second. So we heard that Keyshawn Vaughn is going to play special teams. If my wife wouldn't get upset with me, I would pour some of my truly out on the ground for him because uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. But then yesterday, we heard that Ronald Jones was dropping passes, and then today... He was Randy Moss out there. So is are, are we taking any of these reports, and is there any merit to them? Are we putting any stock in the comments from Bruce Arians about the special teams for Keyshawn Vaughn? I think that's pretty relevant. Or are we even looking at the, the video circulating with Ronald Jones, for better or for worse? Dan? That's one of the crappy things of not, not having a preseason, be able to watch these guys perform in the, these exhibition games to some degree and, and seeing their roles. You have to take these comics with a grain of salt. Stash it in your memory. I think we were talking about that last episode with Sam Holt. There was just certain guys where we, we're observing, we're, we're writing notes, but I'm looking for the body of work. If I heard Ronald Jones was not catching balls three, four, five times, multiple sources over a period of time, I'd be concerned. Every receiver has a bad day. All right. Every running back has a bad day. You know, but I think overall, he's the guy. I'm not concerned. I, I really. I'm drinking the Ronald Jones Kool-Aid, at least for now. And I think he's in target to be the guy for Tampa Bay. I'm not buried down on Keyshawn Vaughn as much as it has been a little a little tough for you guys. I, I know it's been tough times. You know, he's not materializing like you want him, and he's in the special teams role. But it's a marathon, not a race. You know, you got, you got to see how he develops over the course, course of the season. So I'm not concerned about the reports, though, JB. So is a marathon not a race then, Dan? No, see, it's like a sprint, you know. There it's, you it's, go. You know, a marathon, I, 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 you got to pace yourself. You know, eh, you know what I meant, JP. See, with the the physical shape that I'm in, I can sprint a marathon, no problem. I don't have to pace <laughs> myself. No, if I took five steps, I mean, I'm sitting here dripping in sweat. I think everybody knows that is some bullshit. For me, Keyshawn Vaughn and Mitch, I kind of said on Twitter that I was taking the preemptive L, and people jumped in and clearly did not know that I was being a little facetious. Oh, dude, you can't take a, a loss here. The season hasn't started. Don't don't move him at all. He's he's sitting firmly on my roster. You cannot move Keyshawn Vaughn right now. You're, you're not going to move him. And we kind of got in that discussion. If you have Keyshawn Vaughn, players around him, Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. But I think you're in the same boat as me, Mitch, that you wouldn't be moving Keyshawn less than a week after we're told he's going to play special teams. I won't move him, but I am 100% taking the L on him because – the thing with him is he's a 23-year-old rookie running back who needed to see work early. And I was drafting him. Well, I had him ranked ahead of all of the rookie wide receivers. I had him get ahead of Rager, Lamb, with the hope that he would get the work. So his, as we all know, running backs in Dynasty, 
their value explodes when they get that work, especially early. Look at Miles Sanders right now. Look at Joe Mixon, who hasn't really done much in his first three years. And so when I looked at Vaughn, now all of a sudden he's going to be a special teams guy and he's not showing up well in practice. Even today, he didn't show up well again in practice. So if he doesn't end up getting that work, even if he ends up being the main guy week 10, those six weeks, he would have to score so many fantasy points for him to jump up what we're going to see with Rager and with CD Lamb that where I had him ranked is flat out a loss. Like without a shadow of a doubt, I had him ranked too high. But like, like we said, you never had to take him, but I, I do agree with you. I certainly had him much higher than he needed to be. But I will say in our final versions of the rookie rankings, version three, I did squeak CD Lamb ahead of him. But again, that was after a few revisions and... I think some people talk some sense into me. One more thing on the Ronald Jones thing. So this is what I brought up earlier, right? Ronald Jones can catch the football. Like he is able to catch the football. He's going to get one catch a game, maybe two. And that's going to be his ceiling. They're going to put Dare back there and they're going to have LaShawn McCoy end up catching balls. Ronald Jones is never going to be the 250 touch back for. So that's... Go ahead. He's talented, Mitch, and, and I think the thing with Ronald Jones in the beginning was just work ethic. You know, he didn't know how to be an NFL running back. We heard the bad stories. You know, he's had some bad habits having a hamburger at a local establishment, and, and he just wasn't serious about football. Yet last year, he became more serious. There was still some pass protection breakdowns, but, you know, I, I listened to different sources say he's talented. He could be our guy. Now we're here in year three, and I'm reading more stuff about his work ethic, again, from different sources. So I think that organization and that quarterback in the backfield, number 12, has a lot of confidence in Ronald Jones. And then, you know, you're going to have Shady and Dare in there just, you know, to give him a breather and protect Tom Brady. So Vaughn's got an uphill battle, but I think Rojo definitely has has that position. And before we move on to the last topic here, we have a comment here from our good friend Paul, the the winning part of the father-son duo, and I think everybody is aware of that. The best part Um, of it, without a doubt. Yeah, there's, e- there's easy on my boy Justin. All right, we're teaming up here. I got I got to stick up for him a little bit, just a little bit. Oh, I didn't even see Justin in the chat here. Oh my goodness, how can I say that? So he, <laughs> Paul says you're not going to move him, but Ronald Jones is the man this year. I do think, like like Mitch and I said, we will take the L. He is going to be the man in that backfield, but where does that put him? Back in running back two at best, you know. So I, I do think we have to temper expectations again. I've seen redraft leagues where he's gone in the fourth round. I can't, I can't do that. I have the top, like the top of my one, two, three, fourth tier. I would probably hop them up above some of my guys in my third tier. All right. Well, for so context, he, can you tell us who's in those tiers or? So he, he's moving up here. Like, you know, it, the third tier is kind of ugly. Cause you get into the David Montgomery's, the Mostert's. That's a you're, 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 you're going to take Ronald Jones over David Montgomery. Do I'm I smell not, the weight? But I'm, but okay. I'm saying he's, he's approaching that point. You know, because I at least like the Tampa Bay offense. I do not like the Chicago Bears offense. Um, so so I, I have a lot of reservations. I have Montgomery ranked higher than him, but you know what I'm probably going to do? I'm going to fade Montgomery, take some receiver, and I'm going to settle for Ronald Jones a little later and be happy. So, Mitch, do you realize, you see right there, Dan is okay talking about players' values and ADP if it works for him. But back to Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, hey, Dan, who's the better value? I asked him five times tonight. <laughs> And he still didn't answer. But anyway, I digress. I ended up saying Melvin Gordon. There in yellow is Ronald Jones. The the yellow is my targets. The glare just killed it. But I am targeting Ronald Jones. All right. Well, I like it. Right, well, price dependent, JB. 
Of course, it always is. Last thing, and I kind of, I laughed at the way I wrote this, and it obviously puts a negative spin on it right away, but I'm going to read it as I have it, because I do like Preston Williams for fantasy purposes, but I have Preston Williams ran a straight line and caught the ball with no defender in sight, and people were excited. Mitch, what are your thoughts here? I think it's good news that we saw him running on the field, and and he he looked good out there, but I, I think people were getting a little too hyped about a video where he caught a pass that any one of us could have. I love those both of those wide receivers this year. Him and Parker, that defense is still really bad. They yeah. don't have a good offensive line. They have Jordan Howard, you know, as their main running back. So I absolutely love both pass catchers. And just seeing that he's healthy, and if he has the chance, of even if he misses a week, that's fine. I could really care less. I have enough depth on my rosters to last a week without somebody. So week two through 16, if he could be healthy, he will be in your lineup every single week. You know, I think we have him right next to Devontae Parker. I don't think we have much separating the two. I no, love they're, both they're of them. They're super close together. Yep. Yeah, I'm more than happy to acquire both. Dan, any thoughts here before we wrap up tonight's show on Preston Williams? That was definitely the tweet of the week, John. I mean, just watching him run on air. I, I appreciated your, your your commentary on Twitter for Preston there. Um, and I, to your humor, you know, neither of us were really, you know, overexcited about his catch on air. But I think we all are overexcited on him in general right now. His recovery is looking magnificent. He is looking like the real deal like we saw, you know, last season. And the more I'm looking at that Miami offense, whether it's Dynasty or um, – DFS coming up week one. I think him and Parker, to Mitch's point, I think those guys are going to get peppered. Like, I just think they're going to have to pass to stay in games, and you're going to see a lot of action there out of Preston Williams. So he, he's looking good. Despite you bringing up Jakeem Grant on previous episodes, we know that a lot of those passes in that wide receiver core are going to be funneled through Preston and Devontae Parker. But then we have a quick question here. I'm going to put you two on the spot very quickly, full PPR, and I'm tweaking this a little bit, but who scores more points in 2020? Which duo? Parker and Preston or DJM and Curtis Samuel? Parker Mitch. and Preston because they ha- both have higher touchdown upside. And, and I'm going to I'm gonna say Parker and Preston too because we're forgetting about Robbie Anderson and McCaffrey and all those other targets in Carolina. I think that'll get spread a little bit more. And JB, even though you busted my chops about Jakeem Grant, you know, I think Mitch made another tweet this week about, um, you know, looking forward to Mike Clay's, you know, receiver versus DB matchups. Mm-hmm. That's something we're going to be watching. You know, you get Preston or Parker locked down on a number one. I think Jakeem Grant's going to be matchup specific. If you get him on a linebacker, man, that they're not covering him. Uh, I think situationally he could have some breakouts this year. Yeah, and it's funny because anytime I tweet something, I feel like maybe I just word them completely horribly, but I'm pretty sure for that one specifically, I start out saying, I really like Preston Williams for fantasy purposes and half the comments. Oh, he's going to be so good. That's not what I'm saying. Read the tweet, but I I try to be a little, I try to be a little nicer and I'm getting fired up again here. So let's wrap up the show. And Dan, we're going to start with you for final thoughts. It is showtime, first of all. After the show, go check out the Lakers. They're up 49-31 right now. I'm pumped here for my Lakers. It's been a long time since we've been that relevant. And uh, just a little bit of a shameless plug, if you want to take this dynasty uh, theory knowledge into DFS, this Thursday, me and my boy Justin, you know, yes, I did train with McCole Hardman for all this fantasy input last this year. And uh, in the money, DFS football podcast, look it up. Thursday, we'll be live on YouTube. And uh We'll definitely have some dynasty theory uh, knowledge being incorporated there. I'm very excited for that show to kick off, and I I can't wait to to tune in because God knows 
I need as much DFS help as I can possibly get. And I have a feeling you two are going to spit a ton of knowledge at us. Mitch, what are your final thoughts for the listeners? Last thing I'm going to say is you have maybe another week, week and a half. If you think anybody is going to shoot up in value as soon as the season starts, you need to get them now. If you have to overpay a little bit to get them, overpay a little bit to get them because there's some people's values right now who are going to be through the roof the second they get the starting job. And this, and when that happens, you're not going to be able to acquire them. So if you see people out there, you know, that are a little bit lower on rosters, go out and acquire them right now. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. Stay safe, be kind to each other, and have a great night.